In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. On the Fifth M Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week. So for today's episode is a second of three interviews that I'm dropping in the next, uh, well, obviously, three episodes, um, aka three weeks. Uh, if you listened to my previous one with Miss Melly Du Monroe for International Women's Day, hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, I'm still... Uh, still, still, still enjoying um, how that came out. To be honest, uh, it was really good. It came out really well for me, um, and I'm completely happy about that one. Uh, which brings me to, I guess, number two in our series, and uh, this kind of is a low-key celebration of Women's History Month, but also uh, as part, as I said last last episode, a kind of two birds one stone kind of thing, and uh, catching up with a friend of five E. Um, I interviewed this woman uh, in November 2017. Uh, I think that was yeah, I think that was the time. So it's been it's been a few years. It's been a few years since I've uh, since I've uh, caught up with her. Um, and that initial interview was actually via an email chain. So uh, even even that, you know, it wasn't really um, a face to face thing. I think I was I was a I was a I remember I remember like uh, just sending emails back and forth um, for the interview um, while I was at uni. It was just a, it, it was just fascinating because to this day I've I, I've never had a moment of like I've never had a yes where it was so surprising to me. You know, um, I think if, I think in life we get a lot of no's than yes <laughs> yeses. But we obviously put more emphasis on yeses. But this one was a even even you know over two years now. It's it still it still fascinates me and still baffles me that she actually said yes to it. Um, but I'm grateful she did initially, and I'm grateful she did for this particular interview as well. Um, so for this episode, uh, I am interviewing Miss Tiana Bartoletta. Um, for those that don't know, Olympian, uh, multiple gold medalist, world record holder, long jump, 100 meters, 60 meters, she is an absolute uh, legend in my eyes, to be honest, and um, I rarely have a, I rarely get to talk to a person I have so much reverence for, because <laughs> I've literally been watching, uh, you know, I've been watching her do her sport for since 2012 uh, London to be honest like um and throughout the throughout the time I've just been you know watching her go uh watching her go up and down in terms of just like you know uh, you know performance in the binary in a in a binary way you know is she winning no and we actually get into that kind of uh, logic into uh, in in the interview um but after interviewing her and you know following her story and her um, you know, career and life um, from a distance. Um, there's a growth there that is just adds to the um, admiration I personally have, um, and for anyone that actually does follow her, like I do, it's just um, 
it really is just a it's just, it's just a fascinating journey and uh, you know she's willing and able to you know um take people along for the ride so to speak you know she she keeps everyone posted on what she does and uh you know she's training at the moment obviously for the 2020 olympics in tokyo whether it goes down we do not know we also talk about that obviously in the interview um that kind of existential crisis <laughs> that comes out of the uh, uh the unknown of uh in this case obviously coronavirus and all that which um as i record um has recently been labels uh, labeled as a pandemic so yay pop your cork for that one we're all gonna die um i'm joking so yeah uh it's it's a it's a very wide-ranging interview um we obviously talk about um her track and field career for for at least half the interview but i also wanted to um talk about her uh, her life as a yogi um, as a as a as a practitioner of yoga spiritually and physically, and also as a writer because um, you know if you if you've listened to my uh, if you listen to my episodes uh, pre- in in recent weeks um, I th- what was it um, yeah, it was her it was her piece on Kobe Bryant that I read for that particular episode um, literally I think on the day or a day after um, after the incident and you know I still I still enjoy it I still enjoy it just. Um, thinking about that particular piece because it's just, it was just um so it was so calm and nuanced and the fact that you know the crash itself happened so quickly and she just came out with that absolutely poetic it was just in just quick time it was just a an amazing level of clarity there but anyway enough um ass kissing <laughs> Um, uh, this is also a kind of a a bittersweet episode Um, I'll start with the bitter Um, the bitter part of it is because is basically on my uh, my fault to be honest and you know will continue to eat away at me until um, I don't know maybe the next time I interview to be uh, I talk to her to be honest because it's just I it just it just pisses me off to be honest so as you guys will listen there will be uh, well obviously as you listen you'll quickly realize that huh charlie sounds a bit quiet so the reason why is because after the interview after we did it um i think it was uh, last friday um i i saved the project um and you know audacity users shout to you guys because fucking hell you got you probably know my strife right now but um <laughs> you know the struggle uh but yeah i i I checked the project you know i clicked on it ready to edit i was actually going to drop this first um and then miss mandy donroe second but obviously i had a switch um doesn't really matter but um that's how i was going to do it initially and um yeah my vocals weren't there they were nowhere to be seen so the file can't be found even though the files are there the project name is there Everything's there, but the actual raw data, aka my vocals. So, um, I had to scramble um, and had to uh, just ask uh, Tiana if uh, her vocals are good. <laughs> you know what I mean, and if I'm, I'm just going to say I'm just going to use them exclusively, and that's what we, and that's what I had to do. Um, so you will hear me. Um, I have tried to amplify it um, so it can be heard at a decent level, but you know you you guys know me if it ain't if it ain't how the quality i'm talking it now i rarely want it you know what i mean so but i i had to get this interview out because uh regardless of that regardless of how 
shit it is on my side, uh, um, and how annoyed I am about about it, you know, annoyed at myself for it. Um, you know, I, I still don't know the reason for what happened, for why it happened, but it happened, and I just have to live with it. The sweet part of that bit of sweetness is the fact that we have an interview. We have it at least, you know. Regard, even though I don't have my vocals, we still have hers. And um, luckily, she did uh, a cardinal sin, which I really, in most, <laughs> in ninety nine point nine percent of cases, I don't like. Um, is that I can hear my voice in her uh, recording, but for this case, I have to make an exception and uh, have to thank her for it, um, even though she inadvertently didn't mean to do that. But anyway. It's, it's, I guess I'm, I have to be glad that she did. Um, so, yeah. it's uh, Also, for the first probably two minutes or so, there will be a distinct echo that you'll rec- recognise. Um, but that clears up uh, after about two minutes. So, um, bear with bear with me on that. I can't do anything about that. So <laughs> you just have to live with the echo for two minutes. It, it won't take long. It's just two minutes. You'll live. Okay. But after that, it's uh, it's there's no echo. So um, I guess in small mercies on that front. I guess in my semi-perfectionist standards, it's not it's it's, it's not my favorite. Um, it's not the favorite. Thing, my best thing I've edited of all time. But the content itself is, um, in my mind, one of the best um, I've had uh, in this entire show. Um, it's lifespan, to be honest. Um, I've the gem she dropped um, literally at one point stopped me in my tracks, and uh, I was I was generally lost in the woods because she just gave an absolute word and uh, made me stop. Literally, I, I was just like, let me think about that, and I actually lost my train of thought, and I forgot the question I was going to ask. I do gather it back later on, but yeah. I was I I was just used to stop loss of words and I was frankly quite embarrassed because I was just you just caught me out caught me off guard, but um, yeah, the, uh, content wise this is one of the best, um, sound wise it's one of the worst, <laughs> but that's on my side and has nothing to do with Tiana, so uh, but regardless of that, we have an episode and I'm completely happy to um, drop this for you, so without further ado, formalities before we begin. We have the IG, we have the Facebook email, Twitter, I've mixed up, I don't know why I've mixed up, but yeah, we have all of that, it's all in the description, Discord as well, it's all in the description, you can read, and you can click links, go do that, and also the Rayma podcast as well, so if you want to go rate, please go rate, because why not? Is it legit, why not? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> why the hell not? But anyway, um, with, that, with that said, here's my interview with Miss Tiana Bartoletta. Hope you guys enjoy. Miss Tiana Bartoletta, what is good, madam? Everything and nothing. <laughs> see, that's that, that's that, that's that, uh, start the point where I can just start digging so where should we start everything (laughs) (laughs) um the nothing just so you have a little more guidance is probably how I'm describing the track side of my life right now that everything is like everything else but the on-track stuff right now if that makes sense I say nothing when it comes to track and field only because nothing has gone according to the plan I had for myself at this point in time 
And so it's a struggle to feel optimistic about where things are going when the path is totally different than what you previously have traveled or expected for the goal that I have. Because every four years, the Olympics is the goal. Therefore, you know the destination, but it gets a little uneasy when you're rerouted to a highway you've never been on before, and you're kind of like scooting along like, "Ah, nothing looks familiar. (laughs) Where's the next rest stop? You know, that kind of thing. That's where I'm at. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, lost, but not lost, I guess, in that, in that, on that front. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> well, you mentioned the Olympics, and obviously we'll get to that um, uh, in a bit. But, so, for those who don't know, um, it's the Arvata TLC, um, Olympian, multi-time uh, gold medal winning, and uh, most recently via the 2016 Rio Olympics, obviously, uh, Bronze was it uh, on the on the long jump? I, me- I remember. I say that. In say that with, uh, in 2016. Yes, 2016. Yeah. Uh, won the long jump at the Olympics in 2016, and in in 2017, uh, the World Championships is where the bronze medal came from. That's, okay, that's what that's what confusion's got to. Yeah, yeah I remember both uh, very clearly from from watching them uh, from my t- from my TV. But um, yeah, obviously. It's but we uh, obviously our uh, interview from via <laughs> email chain uh, was uh, November twenty seventeen, so it's, uh, so it's been a while. Yeah. Since twenty sixteen, obviously it's been a long while since then. When we go by Olympic cycle, so right. Going back to what you said about it being different and the approach being different, how is the approach different for you? Well, it really my approach really has been. A reaction and a response to what my body could and could not do so I've had I probably am in was in the best place mentally to make this run but this would be my third Olympic team and I'll be 35 this year and you start to get tired right so you you question after each Olympics like oh do I really want to do that work for four more years and at the end of 16, I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm fired up. I mean, it's easy to be super motivated after winning two gold medals. <laughs> I will say I didn't feel that way after after the 2012 Olympics. After the 2012 Olympics, I was like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> I got the medal. I got the world record. I'm straight. I don't need anything else. And then oh, four years went by and I've got two more medals. And I'm looking around like, yeah, I love this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick around for four years. But my body said, hold my beer, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And so I developed um, severe anemia, and it, this might be TMI for your audience, but let's celebrate women in our full glory, which includes, which includes athletes navigating, female athletes navigating menstrual cycles that might be weird. And mine was weird, and I was like, yeah, something's going on. But it actually was more dangerous than weird. I was hemorrhaging blood, a lot of it. And it was causing more severe anemia and iron deficiencies. And so I went and started getting that treated in August. Only to find out in December when I got retested, thinking like, yes, 
the numbers are going to be good. I'm, I'm, I did what I need to do to get back so that I can start training hard. Only for those numbers to be worse. And all of us, all my medical team is like, uh, yeah, we don't know what to do. And um, luckily, I had demanded to see a gynecologist because one thing female athletes also have to navigate is like the whole birth control thing. Because birth control is hormones. They can and often do change the landscape of an athlete. Just the biological passport of an athlete can be changed just by taking birth control. So sure, you don't want to get pregnant. Sure, you want to control your menstrual cycles. But you also are changing who you are as an athlete. And so I wanted to speak to a doctor specifically about that. Only to find out I had a tumor in my uterus that was causing all of this stuff. And so from the time I found out about the tumor um, till the time I had it removed was three hours. And at that point, um, I began to be hopeful about finally having some answers and stuff and, and finally being able to take iron supplements and keep the iron and keep the blood uh, but it wasn't enough still. And I had to get a blood transfusion, which only just happened a few weeks ago. And only now am I back to like training like I used to be able to train. My work capacity and workload and the quality has only just now returned. But it's February. This was supposed to start in November. And so it's like really frustrating for me on the one hand to be very much about honoring my body and what it's telling me and and doing those things and weighing that against damn it it's the olympic year <laughs> like i don't ain't nobody got time for this <laughs> that so yeah that's where i'm at and that's why i said nothing but on the flip side everything because i know now and i'm actually healthy now and there isn't much that i would complain about outside of track and field and even when it comes to track and field i'm just a little bit um, anxious about the timeline, not about me or my abilities. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I remember Jasmine Sawyer's uh, Ryan about uh, 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 about that kind of subject. Um, uh, a few, I think, a few months ago. Well, definitely yeah. last year. And mm-hmm. It was actually quite fascinating to think about because I will be honest, like I don't really think about that. Obviously, that side. Um, in terms of obviously sports as well, um, is kind of a dimension that obviously isn't really talked about and is rarely covered. So um, just off that, it's kind of uh, it's, it's kind of fascinating that obviously that unknown yeah. and obviously being uh, being in sports and being being a, being a professional athlete, you obviously need to know every what your body's saying to you every every moment, but that's such a that's literally like a that's literally like a dice roll right guess, yeah in that case yeah so it's that's, that's, that's it's crazy to think about but um, fascinating on the, on the other side of that but mm-hmm. you you just to say you're you're good now on that front so that's a so with all that uh i guess hurdling in one in one sense is a it's, it's all good so that's a, that's good to hear but um, uh in that case uh you obviously said that you obviously started your training now and uh, for people to know, obviously, indoor season's pretty much over, I guess, in, in, my, in most cases. Yeah, it's over, especially with the um, postponement of the 2020 Indoor World Championships that was meant to take place in China. 
Uh, once that happened, people were like, okay, <laughs> season's over. Time to yeah. prepare for outdoor. Yeah, so outdoor, indoor has been over for quite a while for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, spe- speaking of, like, uh, being outdoors, obviously you've recently um, taken, I guess, residence in California. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, obviously um, in past years uh, where you've trained, but it seems like a... Seems seems quite nice out there. It is nice. I'm in the Bay Area, so culturally speaking, all of that is right up my alley. I mean, I like that I can be like, oh, I need to go to yoga, or I can say something as unheard of as like, oh, I would, I need a sound bath, or I need to go meditate, and somebody will be like, oh yeah, um, tonight at whatever time down here, like there's there's room for all the things that I that I love away from the track. On the track, I'm at Cal Berkeley. The facilities are amazing. The the staff is very supportive supportive of me and my goals and the weather is pretty consistent. So it's it has all the makings of being a perfect training place. Oh, that's good. That sounds that, sound, that sounds warm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so with that with that uh, with that said and uh, obviously well you're you, you know what since you mentioned uh, since you mentioned Nanjing and uh, and uh, the Olympic year and all that stuff, uh, obviously the whole uh, COVID nineteen slash coronavirus thing is going mm-hmm. about, and uh, everyone's freaking out, and mm-hmm. people are mass buying stuff for no uh, particular reason because <laughs> they're scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get it. I get. I understand why. I'm just, I'm just like, there's, there's no need this. <laughs> That's just me. That's just me. I, uh, my mom's a pharmacist technician, so if she ain't freaking out, I ain't freaking out. Yet, right. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not really bothered. But um, with that, Elsie said, uh, I talked about it on my show a couple of weeks ago. Like the amount of events that are being either postponed or for some sports events done behind closed doors with no fans or whatever. It's everyone has their everyone has their levels at the moment where. You either do it fully, or you do it partially. You postpone it for a few months or whatever, or you just just, just scrap it mm-hmm. um, wholeheartedly. But for me, obviously, and I guess for you as well, there's a difference between uh, <laughs> a, a casual football football game and the Olympics happens every four years. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, so there's obviously a bit of um, uh, there's a bit of uh, gravity there and uh decisions that need to be made so with all that said how do you um as a person that's obviously seen that as the goal do you ever do you obviously you don't think about it constantly but how often do you put this into account uh do you just i guess i guess it's a matter of like going about your day as usual because you know if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't or anything between that okay so you're asking how how do you basically approach your training and preparation not knowing if the thing you're training for is going to happen yeah Yeah, no it doesn't change at all Uh, because here in the U.S. we still have the Olympic trials which is a more competitive meet for most of us in the world than the Olympic Games Mm -hmm. themselves Um, this is (laughs) it causes this like slightly existential crisis right because you, you're not sure but it's a good opportunity to work on not being attached to the 
outcome, but, you know, really committing to the effort and the preparation because you very well could be looking at a situation where all of this training was for nothing. However, let me take a big step back and say, I strongly believe at this point that they would never just cancel the Olympics for the entire world because of the amount of money already spent and continuing to be spent and the fact that you can't you can't just push it back a couple months it doesn't work like that uh nobody's training really works like that at least in track and field which is what I'm most closely familiar with and I know that if you told me oh we're pushing the Olympics back three months I would be like oh my god like how do you train how do you prepare for that how do you elongate a training cycle that most of us work backwards and write we write it backwards you know based on peaking at the olympics peaking at the olympic trials and working backwards from there that's it would be almost an impossible thing and i think that's why we have to go on as if nothing's happening because we have already written those programs and those macro cycles that way so it's like you throw your hands in the air some people give it to god but you still got to go to practice <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, so with, uh, with, with that said, I obviously understand where that comes from. But even with, um, I guess, uh, last year um, in the World Championships um, in Qatar, like, mm-hmm. obviously that particular day itself, those those particular days, the actual whole thing itself, that was very late in the, very late in the season. So, you know, it's not like it hasn't happened before. Obviously, in that case, it was more of a weather concern um, and obviously heat, a, a matter of heat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, obviously, uh, the Olympics is a bit more. Uh, it's just it's obviously more than that, and obviously longer in that case. But even with that said, you know, obviously we had the twenty sixteen, and obviously that uh, the whole Zika virus uh, uh, thing going about, which mm-hmm. uh, obviously was a bit um, lesser, I guess, not to not, not to like a qualify, not to qualify diseases or anything. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was it went ahead and. There wasn't really much fanfare once, once it actually went down, once the torch got lit up. But um, yeah, yeah. But with that, with, yeah, but with that said, you know, it's just like you said, it's, uh, you still have to. There's no point scrapping the whole year. Right. Of, uh, I mean, we still went in 2016. The spectators didn't come, but we were there. <laughs> People were scared, and they didn't come. And the reason World Championships was able to be successfully held in October is because we knew over a year ahead of time that that's what the, that's what would happen and right. so when you have that much time you can you can plan for it you can you can schedule your training in a way that allows you and your body to last until October but here just three months away from the trials uh moving anything at this point is like this is, <laughs> uh it would cause a lot of turmoil I'll say yeah, I can. Yeah, I can, I can, I can imagine. Is this is this also a very uh, existential conversation, really? Which, in one aspect, I really enjoy because I really do. In, I I really have existential conversations with other people. I'm not really sure about you, but it is it's it's always fascinating trying to look at the things that we can't control. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it's it's very it's very fascinating to me. But um, uh, we'll move on, we'll move off that. Um, I guess.
don't remember. I don't remember when I had the when, when we did the initial interview uh, two over two years ago that you went to yoga at that point. But obviously, since obviously following you in the past few years, um, yoga has become a very uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a very important uh, part of your uh, life in many aspects. How do you? How do you? Uh, What's the word? What's the word? How do you uh, how do you uh, weigh up? I guess the importance of uh, uh, getting away from track yourself and uh, getting into different things, so to speak. I think that I'm drawn to doing that because I do often have existential crises <laughs> on the track because. I sometimes am looking around like, why am I so stressed about this thing when I'm literally just running for a living or I'm jumping in a sandbox for a living? And it's like I'm adding I I felt like I was adding nothing to the to society. Just, you know, being hard on myself, beat myself up over over losing a race. And so I think I gave myself permission to be multidimensional and uh yoga although it started as like an active recovery situation for me in my training program turned into a spiritual practice because just a lot of the philosophy that that yoga's built on uh really keeps me in terms of mental health which makes me a more mentally fortified athlete and that's how those can all go together and the consistent practice uh of yoga like I said, although I do it for spiritual purposes more now because I, I spend way too much time on the track now that I don't actually need the extra work in a yoga studio. It has cultivated body awareness. It has made me a more coachable athlete because I can listen to a coach tell me that I need to get my shin angle at a specific degree and I can feel it and I can command my body to do it because of all the work that I do on a yoga mat commanding my body to to do certain things and honoring and listening to when it can't and knowing when it can and all of and all that comes with just being present and listening which a lot of us don't have the time or space to do outside of yoga outside of a situation like you have one hour here with me to breathe and let the day go you know so that's how it all fits with me it's become more and more important over time Especially as I grapple with transitioning out of the sport, because let's face it, I'm my body's not going to want to do this forever. My brain isn't going to want to do this forever. And a lot of a lot of athletes that are faced with this, the inevitable stopping point of a career aren't ready. And not just that they don't have a, a job lined up, it's that mentally it is a different lifestyle to do this. We are constantly being valued by our accomplishments or, or, or perceived value of others. And that is probably the worst setup. That is like, for me, a cause of depression and triggers anxiety. And then you have to go into the real world having, in my case, been pro since 19 and I'm, I'll be 35 with this mentality that nobody gives a crap about you unless you're winning. That is a very dangerous place and mindset to take into society. And 
So it's really important for me to to transition not only like what will I do next, literally, but just the mentality, like how do I face what's next? And yoga has become a huge part of being able to face that uncertainty in that new chapter boldly with a healthier mentality. So I don't fall into that uh, trap. Mm, that's, that's well said. Um, I feel like when it comes to um, something as so, uh, I think zero sum is the word, as uh, track and field where it, it is what you say, is it's literally like, you, did you win? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very it's, it's very clear cut in that sense and I was, I was trying to and while you were talking about that I was thinking about um, I was thinking about sport and that's why I enjoy basketball where a lot of athletes in that case um, especially on the major level they some of them see basketball as just you know it's they, they can see it as just a game right I, mean, it's like, I, I, I just lace up and play basketball you know what I mean it's, it's, it's very simple in that case, but I feel like from an, uh, in athletics and track and field, it's very different because it's not just showing up. Yeah. It's the months of obviously uh, training and building up and like you said, trying to find that peak mm-hmm. uh, level of yourself uh, physically at a time when you need it. So, exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's a very, I, I think it's a level of thinking that not many people get to um get to experience unless you're in something as cutthroat as uh, as track and field yeah yes exactly yeah so so with that, with that, I mean, with that said it's good it's, it's all it's, it's kind of why even with that said you know it's kind of why I enjoy, it's kind of why i enjoy athletics in some sense because it is so um it really is just like very clear cut and mm-hmm. you know, as a fan of it it's it's, it's it's enjoyable in that sense it's, and I guess it's why uh, some people have problems with other sports where you know it's like ah don't worry we go, we go again next week yeah you know, we, we, can, we can come back next week so we don't worry about it so uh, but uh, but obviously uh, I think it's much more um, much, much more uh, cutthroat <laughs> It's cutthroat, it's unapologetic, it's it's rough, but it, honestly, for all those reasons, kind of like you said, is why it feels so good to stand on the podium, because you're like, yes. I got through all of that, but for as good as it feels to stand on the podium, I've also been fourth at the Olympics, and that sucked, not because, you know, I was just fourth in the world, that's an obnoxious attitude to have, but because... <laughs> nobody validated my effort you know what I mean like nobody cared like here I was not even a sprinter for real nobody knew me as a sprinter in 2012 before 2012 got out there made a final was running scared to death took fourth place ran a lifetime best and nobody cared (laughs) because I was 0.04 from a medal and so yeah for as horrible as that felt in 2016, standing on the podium, having just won the long jump, it's like it's ex- the extremes are ridiculous. But the high that we're all chasing is just it's so high tempting. Risk, high hmm. High risk, high reward. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
how do you uh, how do you, how do you sum up, how do you validate yourself in that sense? Uh, I guess because obviously you were very you were high level early on um, uh, compared to compared to a lot of people. Um, so you obviously gained that validation very early. Right. But at some point, they'll had to there had to be a roadblock for you. Um, I guess in that sense, I'd like to ask, what was that first roadblock you had professionally? And on the flip side of that, how do you, interested in a general sense, how do you try and validate your work if you can, if, if you even can, when like you don't have obviously, like I said, a podium um, yeah. or a medal? Right. Can you even? So. Um... My first roadblock, my first world championship title, I won in 2005 when I was 19. The first roadblock came when I was 20. <laughs> I rode that high for one year. <laughs> um, because, honestly, and it's largely my fault that I became, I didn't become hungry to do everything required to continue to be successful. I became complacent because that victory made me, I chose arrogance. Like, oh, you you guys let me come out here and beat you. I'm just 19 years old. I eat like crap, like blah, blah, blah. You know, it didn't, I didn't, if somebody would have shook my shoulders and said, girl, what are you doing? And said, yes, all of what you're saying is true. But how good could you be if you ate better? Like, wh- what's next? How can you, how can you take this and level it up? Instead, uh, nobody offered me that kind of like, no, the steer this way was just like, here's your pro contract, here's your medal, here's your bonus check, keep winning. And it just, it doesn't work that way. So I think the universe, whenever the universe needs me to level up as a human being, it's like, it's time for Tiana to suck at track again. <laughs> like, without fail, every single time. So for seven seasons... I had to figure out who I was um, outside of track and field because I no longer had it. I I was a former world champion who was overweight, who wasn't jumping anything close to what she did to win the first world championship title, getting older and people losing faith in me and getting dropped by sponsors. I had to figure it out because I was mentally not okay. And I wasn't going to give up on myself. So, like, what do you do? You you find a way. I went back to school because I was like, I have to I have to do something that I can be proud of. And um, now I think, again, not to, like, sound like I'm just trying to convert everyone into yogis. But for me, I found I found the path to how to value yourself and your effort. Uh, through the philosophies and the sacred texts that the practice has. Um, Largely because yoga is really simple. It's like you're not entitled to the fruits of your labor, period. But you have to give the effort and you have to prepare for whatever it is because that effort is your service to the world. It's your offering back to God who gave you these gifts, whoever your God or higher power is. That's what you get to do. And what happens after you do that is largely not about you and not in your control. Going through yoga teacher training, uh, one of the the students 
in the class would ask like oh how do you get students you know like what if nobody comes to my yoga class or what if only one person comes to my yoga class and the answer is you teach that one person like you give that effort be of service and that resonates so deeply with me largely because I feel I've gone through a lot of my life unanchored, unmoored, unsupported, and I definitely don't want anyone to feel that way. And so being of service anchors me. And there's I have plenty of mediums to be of service and not just on the track. And I think once I found that that was like my thing, like Tiana likes to serve, help people, talk, give speeches, go to clinics, do all these things. Track and field now is just that like little tiny thing. Will I have to deal with the embarrassment and disappointment of like losing and the inevitable Facebook forum like conversations about Tiana sucking or whatever it is? Of course, but it's not at the end of the day, it doesn't change my ability to be of service. It might change some people's perception of my value, but if that's the case, they're not my people anyway. Not my problem. Keep it moving. <laughs> you have no idea how uh, closely that links into what I'm trying to do at the moment. I tell you, that's that's a, that's a word. That's a, that's a gem right there. But Great. That's a gem right there. Well, if I can ask you a question. <laughs> so you said that me saying that I wanted to be of service, it resonates with you and what you're trying to do. So what is it that you're trying to do or who are you trying to serve right now in your current projects? Anyone who listens, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, your audience. The do, yeah. The, yeah, the reason why I do these podcasts in one sense, partly Partly it was because uh, initially, well, initially it was because I tried to, I just wanted to be on some sort of airwave. Um, one of my first childhood dreams was to be a radio host. Okay. Uh, just in, just where, in whatever fashion. And I did that in university and I achieved that and I was like, I'm, I'm happy with that. I don't listen back to it because it was super raw and super ignorant. It's a childhood dream achieved, but mm-hmm. now, like with this particular show, it's evolved into <clears throat> not just being a event capsule, which it was previously. Like, because I find myself personally as like a you know a person that prefers to not prefers to, but cares to listening more than anything. If someone wants to talk about their stuff, they can talk about their stuff to me, and it's all good. And if they don't ask about my stuff on the flip side, it doesn't really doesn't really matter to me. But I guess in that case, on the flip side, I needed to have something. So that's what the radio show was initially for, and it's initially what the podcast was for in this in this case. But now it's evolved into like you know I read people's articles. I read yours a few weeks ago, um, after 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 Kobe passed, mm-hmm. um, and just to say, just just to say actually um, where we can. Uh, we can talk about your writing apart, uh, after, after this, but um, yeah, I kind of I read people's stuff and go off that, and I feel like obviously in one case people don't read enough. I feel like 
Um, yeah. I don't read enough. I know that for a fact. I don't read enough. I listen to a lot of things. I listen to audiobooks more than actual books. But, um, yeah, that's what, the, that's what I feel like the podcast is for in this case. It's like giving people different uh, scopes and not just mine. Obviously, you always give my opinion on whatever the subject is. I'm picking the subject. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of course, it's gonna have, of course, I'm going to have an opinion on it. But the writing that I implement, whether it be someone's article or someone's blog post, I'm using their opinion as a basically like a jumping off point. See what they said here. This is interesting. So I feel like that's why I tried to do And, you know, it's just trying to give people a different view of stuff. Even though, in the grand sense, you know, it's not. I'm not reading. I don't know. Politically, uh, politically polar opposite pieces. Uh, to my opinion, I'm, I haven't got. I haven't got to that. Uh, I haven't got to that uh, level of openness. Uh, <laughs> to other opinions yet, but you know, that's, that's that's kind of how it goes. Well, it's your show right now. You can do what you want, but I do appreciate how you amplify the voices of other people. It's really important because we all have a voice. We don't all have a platform. And that doesn't make any voice less important to hear or any experience less important to hear. So it's important work that you're doing, and I really appreciate it. And always love when you ask if you can read one of my blog posts. Because also, it's like, yeah, maybe I'll gain a reader from that. Because, you know, everybody needs to feel connected and less alone in their experience on this planet so yes thank you for your service <laughs> Slightly, but yeah i appreciate i appreciate that. but on that note um when did you uh when and why did you uh, start um in this case the blog but when did you i guess start writing just like um putting your thoughts out there that's not you know something that you can physically do right jumping or running right i actually started writing when i was in the second grade that's when my creative writing classes started and uh, i enjoyed it a lot but i i developed that i developed that i call it a skill i think writing's a skill (laughs) but i developed this specific skill and method of communication um because i didn't feel listened to at home I'm not saying I grew up in like a horrible family, but it's just like some parents can be super dismissive of their kids and their feelings. And they're just like, I'm the mom, I'm the dad. That's like end of story. And I kind of felt like that a lot. So then I would go in my room and then I would write everything that I was feeling just so I could have an outlet. This current version of my writing is pretty much the same thing. Uh, only I spent a lot of a lot of my adult years well so far <laughs> in isolation thinking that I it was just me going through certain things and trying to process things on my own and the blog started as like I'm just going to put this out here because maybe well one I need people to know <laughs> and I wasn't I wasn't prepared for how many people would agree with or disagree with the things that I posted, but it became just like a, a practice in this is my experience. I'm going to share it with you because most likely this is also your experience, which they turn around and share with me, which makes me feel better because I feel part of a shared experience and perhaps they have some p- 
piece of information that I don't have about how to get through that. And that's where this blog came from. Also, it's really important for me to for people to know that I don't just do track. Like that's not what Tiana is. That's not who I am. It is a vehicle and a gift that I've been given that I'm trying to express adequately so that uh, when it's over, I don't look back and think that I've squandered this gift or these opportunities. But that's like, I tell people that is the least interesting thing about me is what I'm able to do on a track. And if anybody gets the chance to hang out with me for a day, they'll find that out real quickly. (laughs) And maybe when I can get away with it, I don't even bring track and field up if I can get away with it. It's becoming really, really difficult for me to continue to like pretend like it doesn't exist and <laughs> and that it comes up later in the conversation. But I often try. Now, don't lead with it. Uh, I will tell people that I write and I love to read and that I'm a yogi. And that those topics right there can last the whole... I don't know, a whole day of conversation before we ever even get to, oh, what do you do for work? And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, that part. <laughs> no, that, that is, that is interesting. I do remember finding out uh, what, what, I was, what I was going to pick out of your previous soliloquy. Um, is there such thing as, like, mentorship in track and field? I mean, for you personally... From how you described your earlier years, there wasn't really, I guess, much of that. There still isn't. Yeah, for yourself, you do um, a lot of, uh, you know, going to schools and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. helping, giving tips and stuff like that. So clearly in your case, you have mentored other people. But for you personally, in your early, early in your career, did you even have something like that? No, it didn't exist. And that's another thing that drives me now is that I was lucky enough to have a dad that was very deliberate and intentional in the plan that I chose for myself which was to get to pursue an athletic scholarship for track and field and because I made that choice uh, he supported me going to these clinics and and doing these USA track and field camps and stuff like that and I know good and well that most young athletes don't have access to those kind of things And I'm from Elyria, Ohio. We have one public high school. Our track and field coach was a history teacher who was just being paid to babysit us, make sure we didn't hurt ourselves or kill each other. Like that was that was the extent of her track and field knowledge. But it started to occur to me that if it weren't for my dad, I didn't have any coaches who were good enough or competent enough to develop me enough for me to get to college which changed everything for me. And that's why it's important for me to do these talks and these workshops. And that's why I created that website, SprintRunJump.com, because you need to be able to go somewhere for the information and figure out how to get better if that's what you want. Athletics is a, is a ticket out for a lot of, of young athletes, particularly black athletes. And I don't want anybody to be in that gap because track and field isn't a glamorous sport. And we usually get stuck with uh, a coach who may not be as proficient (laughs) in that area as they could be. And I just want to fill that gap a little bit. I mean, I can't 
coach everybody, can't train everybody, but at least the website puts more information in the hands of athletes and coaches. And I just want to keep building that so that it becomes a place where anybody can go and say, well, like, how do I, how do I start? And you'll be able to see video and explanations for that. That's what I'm trying to build because I didn't have that. And I still made it. <laughs> I'm still grateful for the journey. But I want to make it a little bit easier for the upcoming athletes. And no, it doesn't exist. There's no real, there's no real vehicle for that in our sport. I think because it's so individualistic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I can. Yeah. I can. I can see that. So it's like you know, planting tree, even though you won't see it fully bloom, kind of thing. Um, or they, or you might see it, and they line up next to you and race you at some point. Because <laughs> yeah. I've had long, yeah, I've had long jumpers, um, the night before a meet in which we were competing against each other, say, "Hey, Tiana, I'm really having an issue with this one thing." What do you think? And my initial reaction is like, I think I'm trying to beat you. I don't say that part out loud. But then the next line is like, this is what I wanted. This is, I wanted to be that person that they know they can come to and ask these questions because I didn't have that person. And so I tell them. And then people like you who laugh at that and are like, why? How can you help your competitor? I'm like, because you still got to show up tomorrow and beat me. It's not a given that even with the same information, you're going to step out here and suddenly beat me. So I'm not worried about it because I still have to execute what I need to execute. And so do you. So may the best person win. But it's more of a victory if we're coming from um, like we're coming from the same place. Like we have the same information. Again, nothing's top secret physics is available to all of us and so is Google so I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, yeah, you're correct, you're correct on both. Um so let's um let's get back into uh writing now that now that I'm fully cleared of that uh mental blockage in my head. Um what do you what do you read on a I guess a from from a day to day and uh do you do, does it influence your writing in some way, or is it just simply like a form of escapism or anything like that? Um, it's all of that. It's all of those things. So I used to read. I think I've read every book that Dr. Rob Bell has written, and he's he used to be a pastor. He's not anymore. I think he was like pushed out of the church for his um, ideas or thoughts about christianity but uh he his style of writing is why i my blogs visually look the way that they look because his he writes that way and i remember reading and this is like 10 years ago when i when i um would read when i was introduced to him i remember reading his books in that format thinking he's talking to me and there's like a cadence and it's like soothing and even when it's a topic that's a little bit difficult it feels like he's holding my hand through it because he's like and then this and you know and it just I found it so appealing especially because I started with writing poetry and although I'm don't consider myself a poet and I'm not really not really moved to write poetry I love the visual the the 
the look of words on a page uh, in poetry. And I didn't want to lose that with the blog. So from an aesthetic point, that's where I got that from. The content of a blog comes from anywhere. Uh, actually, you just gave me an idea for a new blog post. And all you said was, but did you win? <laughs> and that like sparked like, oh, yeah, I got a whole rant. I can go on about that. That'll be great. And sometimes it's from it's maybe some yogic philosophy that I kind of want to introduce so that people understand the practice a little more. I read the Bhagavad Gita almost daily because I find it really inspirational for me. And that's just that's one of yoga's most sacred texts. But it's literally just a story about um, a warrior going into battle and being scared to death of fighting because the thing that he had to do was overwhelming to him. And uh, Krishna comes down and and has this whole dialogue with him, basically talking to him about, like, warrior is what you're born into, because, you know, India and the caste system, like, this is, this is your calling. This is your dharma. This is what you prepared for. And, yeah, it looks bad, and, yeah, you might lose, but this is your calling, so go forth. And I just, I'm always inspired by that because I feel that way, especially now about trying to make this team, given that my body wasn't even producing enough blood for me to get through a training cycle as recently as last month. And so I feel that way. So that resonates with me and I often write about that. At the same time, I got science fiction books on rotation and I don't think I ever write, oh, actually, Sometimes I nerd out and and have a whole physics or astronomy type post. Not too often though, because I tend to lose people when I when I go down that route. <laughs> but yeah, daily is like the Bhagavad Gita. I read my fiction book and I have an audio book for my commute back and forth to the city and to training. And I think keeping all those books in my rotation. One, it makes sharpens my vocabulary. It allows me to not just fall back on the same words that I use in my daily conversation because I'm reading so many different books. I'm introduced to different to different words and then I'm able to adapt them and maybe expose other people. For example, somebody told me like, oh, I had to go look up that word. But yeah, that's the word. That's right. Like that's that's what it was. And now I know. So thank you. But if I didn't read as much as I did, I wouldn't be able to write as well as I do. And moving from science fiction, which is the book that I read at night, um, from a historical fiction mystery series that I listen to on Audible, it's like all of it, I just absorb all of it. And all of that makes me, me. And then what comes out of my fingers as writing is just an expression of that. But I swear to God, I need all of that to be Tiana. Oh, hey, you need you need what you need in that case. Like, yep. it's, 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 a, it's a very eclectic mix. Um, one thing I got from that is, uh, like, when you hear a new word, I actually, I, I do sometimes do that, like, literally just live when I'm recording, I'm reading, say it, and I'm reading the paragraph, and I hear a new word, I'm like, oh, I'm either like, how do you say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, yep. Just let me get that right, right quick. And regards to that it's just when I when, when it's when it just rolls off nice so it's I've just there's some words I've just never heard of for like for this week uh, I think halcyon's a word that I've, uh, that I've mm. gravitated to in the past week I was just like that, that, that word slaps 
Mm-hmm. And then you find a way to like add it in conversation, and you're like, mm-hmm, yep, yep. I said I used the word despondent today in a conversation, and uh, the other person like immediately just mirrored the word back, like despondent. <laughs> Nothing but uh, actually, um, I was having this conversation uh, briefly with a uh, with a fellow Brit, and uh, we have this uh, grammar thing where, like, obviously, uh, in American speak and uh, British speak, yeah, uh, some words are spelled differently, and uh, <laughs> a dude that I know, and uh, a dude that I know across the pond is uh, uh, talking about how he he edits with like uh, other other with people with uh, different grammars and uh i just i just said to both of them uh i was like i'm favorite and color with the u in it i'll, I'll die on that hill <laughs> <laughs> i will fight to the death like, that. keep that you it's okay we can still yeah. read <laughs> it looks like cola and the way you, the way you guys say it, it's like cola <laughs> Listen, I will allow you to keep the you, but I won't allow you to talk about American English as weird and complicated as it is. That is where I draw the line, sir. So, do you keep up with, uh, I guess, uh, in, in terms of reading, do you keep up with like, current affairs at all? Like, do you read newspapers or any of that kind yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, it? it's important to me to be an informed citizen. <laughs> it's really important. I, I cannot navigate this world only knowing my track news. That would drive me crazy and make me a poor conversationalist. meant to be function as a union union that's that's a great word for it yeah so like a union for it uh for those that don't know like a sort of background was basically um chris taylor also tiara as well and a few others um basically um have, i guess uh, in in a definite way probably created their own unions in some sense because obviously uh formerly iwf now world athletics which just uh, I, I remember you uh, i remember you responded <laughs> <laughs> to the logo change and uh, stuff like that and uh, I, was, I, was, I was right there on, on the boat it's just, <laughs> just creasing up how why why what's, what's, what's the point we know who you are so it's, 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 like, it's like changing the mask like, I know who you are but it's, it's very funny so funny on that front but um, in that case like, I find that how I would actually like to ask how how's it taken that long how's it taken this long for something like this to happen because in plenty of other realms of sport there's always something like that not maybe not a union in uh, the definite sense but just like you know players or you know uh, people doing the sport kind of group Mm -hmm. where they can you know 
not make their own rules or anything, but just like, you know, have the say as a collective. Right? How's it taking this long? It actually hasn't. This is probably the 10th attempt to do something like oh, this maybe. in track and field. Yeah. And uh, the reason they fail is one, there's a lot of us and uh, we aren't a team for the most part. We're not a team. We're international athletes that fall under different rules, different federations. And for any one of us that decides to take a stand and boycott, let's say the Diamond League, here in the U.S., there are like 20 people who would go for free to say that they were able to compete in a Diamond League. So we haven't been able to corral the leverage because there's too many people who... And I'm not even going to call it selfish in, a, in the malicious, malicious sense. There's just too many people that are trying to survive as athletes that would rather take the $1,000 than to sit at home uh, to fight for $10,000, you know, that they may not, that they definitely won't get, but will fight for it for someone else. That has been the struggle. There's too many of us. The contracts are too low. Uh, the fear that standing up will affect us financially is strong. And there's been no previous attempt to, sorry, <laughs> doorbell, previous attempt to to assuage those fears. Like if there was some kind of slush fund that like you could fall back on like, hey, I know you're doing the right thing to progress our sport. Here's a stipend so that you can eat and pay your rent while we're going through this. That would make it more successful. People are paying more attention right now because uh, it's headed up by Christian Taylor, who is well known, who is a champion, who's a multiple medalist, and honestly, is also handsome and well spoken. People are paying attention, and um, I hope that you know it comes together. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done and a lot of things that need to be addressed. And it's it's very difficult for track and field to pull off. So yeah, it hasn't taken us this long. It's just it's it's it requires so much and all previous attempts have failed. Mm. And it's still too soon to say whether this will be successful or not. Yeah, I guess in that case it doesn't need to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's a matter of leverage on that front, I guess, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> considering how just like a, you know, it's only a certain few events a year uh, for, for I guess in this case, world, world-class athletes and, you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, money isn't exactly, a, athletics itself isn't exactly like a, you know, it's not a big money pit. <laughs> yeah, we're not <laughs> flush with cash. Yeah, people don't go in this for money, basically, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it really is kind of that. Um, but yeah, that's that's. Uh, I guess that does remain to be seen on that front. Alright, well, I guess we'll finish there. And um, and uh, <laughs> in what in it, I don't know how. I don't know what I'd go with first. Okay, let's do, let's do this first. So, um, do you want to just uh, I guess plug everything you're doing? I've I've been I've actually I've been meeting so I'll, let's, let's, I'll start with a bit more. What's going What's going on with that? All right, I'm sixty-five thousand words in. I had a little huh it's a lot it's like on my computer i think it's like 173 pages or something 
or more. It might be more, but the last time I opened it, actually, my computer's right here. I can tell you exactly. Um, I got, I kind of got stuck a little bit because one, it's a memoir, and sometimes you got to revisit dark spaces that you might not necessarily be ready to, you know, <laughs> go back to. And so I stopped writing for a while. And then I had an issue with not knowing where the story should wrap. And so it like, it felt like it was going to be this endless project. And it's like, I just, I don't know where it ends. And so anyway, I lied. It's 367 pages and 65,000 words. I am, I've started to write again because sometimes I'm, I write blogs pretty regularly, but I write these kind of things in spurts. But yeah, I'm, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I will finish. Kids, I, I, I have a cold sound, so it's, it's, I, hope it's, I hope it's good. Um, yeah, yeah, do you want to, um, I guess, uh, plug everything else that you're doing and have been doing so far? Sure. Uh, like my website and stuff. All right, so if you are a young athlete or you know young athletes, point them towards Sprint Run Jump because there's a ton of information there about how to level up as an athlete and not just track and field. It goes across the board. Uh, if you want to check out my blogs, check out tianab.com, and that's B as in bumblebee, like B-E-E.com. And as always, you can follow me uh, across almost all the social platforms but at instagram tiana.bartoletta and twitter ti bartoletta and facebook just search tiana b and you'll find me that's what's up that's what's up all right so we finish you put as you as you obviously know uh, <laughs> every interview with a top five okay so um last time you did it uh <laughs> Uh, you basically uh, made it pretty simple and went with the top five competition playlist songs. Um, I don't know if you want to go down the same route or somewhere different. doesn't have to be music, by the way. Um, I mean, I had one a while back where it was just like top five, just anything. It was like Jesus, water, sleep. So <laughs> it could be very simple and very quick as that, but uh, it's your top five as it always is. So... Uh, yeah, what's your top five? All right, I'm going to do a top five. We have to do some hard-ish playlist that gets me ready. Not just music, though. So when I have to go into battle. So the movie 300. <laughs> Why 300? That's what else. Why 300? Because, it, because, again, it's almost, it. it's like they knew it was an impossible battle to win but it did not affect at all their, I guess their willingness to go do it. And I think, I think that resonates with me as an athlete who cannot guarantee the outcome of anything beforehand. And almost, and almost certainly will lose because I lose so much. I mean, most of us lose more than we win anyway. So going into a situation where you're just like, mm, I don't know, but being like full on ready to go out on your shield regardless, that that really does it for me. On the flip side, Cinderella Man, Russell Crowe. <laughs> and that is just for like, just the grind and like 
the grind being rewarded at the end after all that hard work that just it moves me so much now i'm really gonna mess you up with this next one <laughs> but any beyonce live performance just does it for me because again what especially homecoming especially homecoming before that it was on the run tour but homecoming has like trumped that for me because of like you can see the work and the detail that she put into delivering that performance so when i see that like yes i love queen b but i also really appreciate the the perfection and the preparation and the attention to detail and the willingness to just push yourself to the extreme limit to simply to produce something for somebody else to consume which is just mm. a different form of service yeah it was literally theater though wasn't it so, hmm? it was literally theater wasn't it yeah exactly how, you know, how coordinated it was it was literally just theater amazing I mean, any album by Eminem when he was angry, that does it for me. <laughs> okay, what's the gap there? Because there's obviously angry moments everywhere, so what's the, what's the, what's the gap, I guess? What's the, like his what's the like Kamikaze album, he was mad at everybody. That, that does yep, it for yep. me. Yeah, he was mad at everybody. I was waiting to hear my name on one of his tracks. That's like that's like how deep down the rabbit hole he uh, went. Yeah. And then uh, Music To Be Murdered By, that has a lot of, it has some like club bangers on it, but he, if you listen to it, you're like, oh dang, Eminem, okay. Um, but yeah, definitely Kamikaze. And then some of his older stuff, gotta pick and choose. You're more into his, you're more into his newest stuff than older stuff. Hmm? You're more into his newest stuff than older stuff. No, not more. Mm-mm. Just in this case. Just in this case, like that level of anger, it, it allows me to tap into my anger and to use it in a way that is socially acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The last one. Okay, so I'm getting ready to do hard stuff. Yeah, I've already talked about it before, but the last one is the book I told you about, the Bhagavad Gita. Like, when i am got to do something seemingly impossible, I crack that open. And it's it's not that it's a book like the Bible where, it, where it's built largely on faith and, you know, having trust in God, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which I grew up with and wholeheartedly believe. The Bhagavad Gita is more like a pep talk from your coach who's like, I don't know what the hell you think you're doing right now, but we have trained months and months and months for this moment. And I don't care if you win and if you lose, it's going to be because you're going out on your shield because you gave maximum effort. And if they beat you, at least force them to beat you at your best. But you have to absolutely get out there. And so that's two very different approaches. I think the Gita for me is like, this is what you can control, go beast that. And the other is a little bit of uh, faith. And I don't don't have a lot of space for faith when it comes to what I can and do not execute on the track. Because that is all about you taking deliberate action. 
I don't think God wants to be blamed for me, like, fouling in the long jump. It wasn't God's plan for me to execute today. <laughs> yep. That's it. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was my interview with Miss Tiana Bartoletta. Told you, man. Told you she dropped some gems. She really dropped some gems. She does that on a daily, honestly. She drops some gems on a daily. It's actually crazy. I don't, I don't know if she does it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, objectively, she really is an inspiring person. And uh, it's, 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 it's so uh, surreal for me, personally, because, like, I really hold... Um, professional athletes and such especially drag and field athletes to such a high pedestal more than most and the fact I get to talk to you know <laughs> a record says it all you know what I mean it's just it, it just gasses me up and uh it's just I don't know it just, it's just, it just blows my mind every time uh thinking about it but yeah um I hope you guys enjoy that one honestly um I'm glad I could do I'm glad I can keep doing these uh and I'll try to do I'll probably try to do more of these to be honest um you know I know I'm doing this partly because it's Women's History Month but I'm just I really enjoy you know just talking to um just talking to uh people uh, not even just that I've interviewed but like just people in general I think you guys already know that if you know me personally you know I know that uh, you know I, I like a good conversation and um yeah man it's just these some of these like interviews like these are very rare and just chats, you know, just dialogue is so rare for me um, to think about. So, um, yeah, I, I completely, I'm completely grateful for it. And um, I'm happy I can, you know, put it on wax, basically. And uh, if you guys got anything from that, 
um, let me know and uh, I'll be sure to pass that on to uh, Miss T but um, yeah with that said ladies and gentlemen from the Fifth and Podcast Network I have a child telling this has been what's good music has been Midnight Swim by Brock Berrigan and Lemon Tea by Guyvers you can find uh, well it's actually all via a, a Chill Hop Essentials <laughs> so I'll drop the link there and you can find that uh, find the music via that Thanks to Joel Breckers for the ability to use these songs. You can also find their link to their Bandcamp in the below. Uh, they're dropping their spring essentials, which means spring is coming. Because I, for some reason, I got my my seasons uh, come and go when Chill Hop do their seasonal essentials. So uh, that's a, probably a very poor way to go about life, but it's, it's fun for me. <laughs> Anyways, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys have a good week. I should always try and do the same, but until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.